Scripture number five today from our top ten list is Psalm 46, 7 through 11. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the de desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still. Be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Scripture number four on our countdown is Isaiah 41, verse 10. And we're going to read at this time, the context of the three verses uh, around that particular verse, verses 8, 9, and 10. Hear the word of the Lord. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we continue in our summer series, The Greatest Hits, as determined by a survey that we took in the congregation in late May and early June. We are to numbers five and numbers four, number four. I mean, next week, number three, it's the countdown of the top three. It's getting real, folks. It is. I mean, can you, can you feel the anticipation building? Yes. Uh, it's going to be wonderful. Well, today we've got five and four, and there, there is, there, there's more of a reason to do both of these together than just the fact that I needed to double up some time to make it all fit. And let's look at what these two scriptures, Psalm 46.10 and Isaiah 41.10, have in common. Well, they're both verse 10s, you notice. So there's one, perhaps not of great significance. You notice that they're both from the Old Testament. And so they have that in common. Now, what, what I found interesting, and I've sa I said this earlier, is that in our survey of greatest hits in the congregation, we came out 50-50, half from the Old Testament, half from the New, which was amazing. And also very encouraging to my pastor's heart. Because uh, as Presbyterians, we, we really 
kind of our tradition, our heritage is one that we feel it's important to read all of Scripture from Genesis through Revelation uh, and really appreciate all of God's Word. Um, the New Testament didn't take over the Old. The New Testament uh, uh, kind of is the next chapter or the next phase that includes the Old. And you can't really understand either one without the other. But I think the most significant aspect of both of these verses that they share together is what makes each one of them so powerful. And that is that they feature the literal word of God spoken to the reader. These are words given to us in Scripture that come to us as quotations. God's word to God's people. First person. And this is common in the Old Testament. One of the delights of reading through the Old Testament and the Old Testament narratives of the the great people of faith is that in that era, as it comes to us in the biblical text, they walk with God and God speaks to them audibly. And they listen and understand. We think of the great, great people uh, of, in that story. That we look at Moses. And God spoke to Moses. And Moses listened and heard God speak. God called Abram to leave his home and, and go to a new place. And Abram, who became Abraham, followed. He heard God speak. The prophets. The prophets heard God's word. In fact, the the beginning of most of the prophetic texts in the Old Testament began by saying the word of the Lord came to the name of the prophet. They heard God speak to them. Now in the prophets, and we have a verse from the prophet Isaiah, that word is given to the prophet to relay to all of God's people. So it's a word to all of God's people. In the New Testament, God continues to speak. In the Gospels, God speaks through the words of his Son, his very incarnation in the world. And so Jesus' words, if you have a red-letter edition of the Gospels, it's those red letters. God is speaking to his people, to the world, to us, in the words of Jesus, first person. And as you go through the New Testament, you see that Jesus then sends the Holy Spirit. And the Apostle Paul and other apostles who wrote uh, the human words of the, uh, the rest of the New Testament in the epistles helps us understand what it means to live life being spoken to by God and Jesus through the Holy Spirit. God speaks. In these two verses, in a very specific way. Psalm 46.10 Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The context of this verse, really interesting, Uh, this verse has become famous in its own right, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Be still and know that I am God. It comes as a surprise to some people that in its context, it comes in Psalm 46. 
that starts out in a way that many are aware of. Psalm 46 is not one of those hidden, unappreciated psalms. It usually makes it into the list of top ten psalms. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. In the midst of all of that activity, in the midst of all of that threat, God is our strong refuge our capable source of protection and preservation. And Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God, is, is God's invitation for us to truly appreciate that fact and live into it in the moment. In the moment where we're ready to give in to the fear. When it seems like our life is crumbling all around us as if the mountains were falling, falling into the heart of the sea. God is a refuge in a threatening world, a present help in times of trouble. And in this verse, we are invited by God to step out of the whirlwind and into stillness. Not to solve the whirlwind or put it to an end by our own power. But to step out of its spinning into the strong, secure, peaceful presence of the Almighty God. The words of God that say, I will be exalted, are words of that inspire in God's people faith and trust that God truly has the power to do something about the whirlwind, about the, what's causing us anxiety or fear. Verses 7 and 11 in Psalm 46 are the exact same words. They're repeated. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The term, the Lord Almighty, now this is as it's translated in the New International Version. If you have the New Revised Standard Version or a few other versions, you would read that title of God as the Lord of Hosts. The Hebrew word there that goes along with the word Lord is Sabaot. And this is a a teaching moment for Reformed Christians who have been singing Martin Luther's A Mighty Fortress is Our God for their whole lives. Raise your hand if you know that hymn pretty well. Do you remember the part in the second verse that says, Lord, Sabaoth his name? This is it. In fact, A Mighty Fortress is Our God is really based on Psalm 46. Sabaoth is translated as the Almighty, but it really, in its technical term, is a derivative of the word for war. It is the Lord 
It's translated in many uh, translations, including the NRSV, as the Lord of hosts. And Eugene Peterson, in the message, translated it as Lord of the angel armies. Because that's really what the imagery means in Hebrew. It means that the battle belongs to the Lord. It doesn't deny that there's a battle out there, and it doesn't deny that we are at risk in that battle, that we're even taking on wounds out there. But it means that we're going to let God fight our battles because God is capable of that. He's the Lord Almighty. He's the Lord of hosts. He's the Lord of the angel armies. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. You ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name. From age to age, the same. And he must win the battle. You noticed that uh, in the immediate context before verse 10, we see these verses that are not necessarily equated with peacefulness. Speaking and inviting us to see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought, that he makes wars cease and he breaks the bow and shatters the spear and burns the shields with fire. It means that in this battle with dark forces, God is capable and will win. And so, this is how I fight my battles. Remember that song we sang earlier? How the Christian fights those battles is not by just getting good and angry and starting to fight people. It's by catching your breath. It's by being still and knowing that God has the power to fight those battles. And so we rest in him. We trust in him. We follow his direction. It means we slow down. When did you first hear the words, be still and know that I am God? You might want to share that when we open up for some testimonies on these scripture verses following the the sermon today. It could be through a a very popular song. And for those of you who have been at North Creek for a while, this particular song I'm speaking of uh, was a song that's titled Be Still and Know, written by the contemporary Christian music artist Stephen Curtis Chapman. And uh, he uh, performed it, and it was on an album that he came out with in 1999. uh, And it was called Speechless, was the album. And this song was featured on that album. Now, he also published it as a song that could be sung by choirs. And I cannot count the number of times that the North Creek Choir has sung Be Still and Know by Stephen Curtis Chapman. It's, a, it's one of the greatest hits. I did some research on Stephen Curtis Chapman and this song. And his own testimony of the, the message of his song that really is just communicating the basic uh, words of 
Psalm 46.10 into a song, a contemplative song that really acts as a servant, as a help to get us into the space of being still and knowing that God is there present. But when he wrote it, he says that he had no idea how high the mountains and, the, and the, the heights would be in his life to come. The great joys. Things like a, a fruitful recording career as a Christian artist. Like a, a wonderful, uh, loving marriage and a beautiful family. But he also shares that when he wrote this song, he had no idea how deep the valleys would be. Some of you are aware that uh, in uh, around, right in around 2008 or 2009, uh, he suffered a family tragedy where, where his uh, young son, teenage son, um, was driving a car and backed out of the driveway and, and struck their young daughter, and she passed away. And it was a, it was a great tragedy for, for him, for his family. And yet, during... The pandemic, 20 years after the release of this song, Stephen Curtis Chapman posted a video and performed this song as an encouragement to people, admitting that just because the pandemic kind of kept us in place, that that didn't mean that our hearts were still before the Lord. Can you relate to that? That it's not just about being still. Like, it doesn't just mean quit your job, Go off somewhere because we would take our anxious minds and hearts with us if left to our own devices. It's be still and know that I am God. He confessed that, that through his life, through the ups and downs, that there are times when he needs to say these words and be reminded of these words. At first he said, every day. And then he said, well, it's actually a lot of times every hour. And then he confessed, well, actually, a lot of times it's every 15 minutes for me. And I don't know if you can relate to that. That this is not necessarily something that you just every once in a while, every few years that you think of this verse, be still and know that I am God. But this is a way that we can live life. And this comes to another popular way that we have come to know these words from this verse. It has been popularized in contemplative spirituality as the primary scripture words to use in praying what's called a breath prayer. A breath prayer, which is a form, classic form of Christian meditation, not Eastern meditation, um, like uh, painted up to look like something Christian, but actual Christian meditation, ruminating, repeating the words of God in scripture. That's a classic way of getting God's word into our hearts, into our lives. And that repetition, as we catch our breath before the Lord, is what a breath prayer is. It's taking time to be silent before the Lord. And this is taught as a breath prayer of breathing in and out in a rhythm with the phrases of this verse, at least the first half of the verse Be still and know that I am God. And so you start with be still, that's on your first inhale. And then your next exhale is and know 
And then your second inhale is that I. And your second exhale is am God. And you repeat that. I wonder if you would be willing to do that a couple times through. Just go ahead and take these breaths in rhythm with these words from Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. These words from Psalm 4610 are proven as they are spoken, are proven to be words that can bring us into God's presence and allow us to catch our breath and open our lives to the Lord. I encourage you to try this. And you can do it with other scriptures as well. But this is the primary scripture that's used in the breath prayer. Isaiah 41.10, in a way, fills in the next part of the promise of Psalm 46.10. A little bit of the God of the angel armies as we are still and know that the Lord is God and God is with us, what does it mean that God is with us? And here we see in Isaiah 41.10 very clearly that it is that we are strengthened beyond fear. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You know, my story about this verse is that over the past, I'd say, 10 to 15 years, I have used this verse in my pastoral care with people on a regular basis. I probably don't go more than one or two days without sharing these words with someone who needs to hear them. And as I do that, most of the time I discover that I was the one who also needed to hear them. I didn't always use this verse. Do you want to know where I really discovered the power of this verse? It was from a Ziploc bag full of cut-up slips of paper with verses of encouragement printed on them that were put together by a woman named Jenny Scott, who for years was a member of our church. And she gave me a bunch of those, and I, I thumbed through them and thought, hey, this is really great. I mean, if you ever want to put together lists of encouragement verses and give them to your pastor, we use them all the time. So, so I was very uh, glad to welcome those. But when I thumbed through them, my eyes just stuck on the one that featured Isaiah 41.10. Because I just thought how this is the message that we need, especially when we are suffering. Especially when we are suffering. 
What is it that we most need to know about God during times of trouble? When it feels like our life is falling like mountains into the heart of the sea. We need to know that God is with us. And that with God there's no need to fear. That God will strengthen us. And that God will help us. You know, in its context, here's another really cool part of Isaiah 41.10, is it's only 10 verses after the final verse of Isaiah chapter 40, which is also another very famous verse that speaks of the Lord being the everlasting God who gives strength to the weary. And we read 10 verses before this verse that those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall walk and not be weary. They shall run and not faint. This was a word, and these words in Isaiah 41.10, words given by Isaiah to God's people in exile. God's people needed reminding that even though they had been disciplined, they were still chosen of God and not rejected. Just because God might discipline us doesn't mean we're rejected. Think about that parenting relationship with discipline in a child. It doesn't mean you reject a child. And so it's important for parents to comfort their children as well, to remind them of the relationship and that it's all about love. God has announced their return through the prophet Isaiah, but they've been through so much. They've suffered for so long. Will they even have the strength to do what God is talking about? Think about your life over the last three years. What you've been through what we've all been through. How are we going to move forward? Do we have the energy? Do we have the mind space? Do, Do we have the trust in God based on all that we have experienced? What about as a congregation? This fall, we're going to move into a time of of kind of strategic planning and envisioning our mission. And yet, for the first time in North Creek's history, we're doing that as the people who just reflected a few seconds ago. (laughs) Do we have the energy? Because in our lives, we've been through a lot, but what about this church? What have we been through? Do we have the energy? As we look around and as we talk with one another, do we really feel we have more miles left in the tread on our tires? And the word of the Lord comes to us. Do not fear. Do not fear. For I am with you. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. Amen.